You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home Abroad and we are in the surrounded by the burn, limestone on every side, but in the middle of this we're in an oasis. And in the middle of this oasis is Catterbridge Gardens. And the gardener and constructor of Catterbridge Gardens, Carl, is with me. Carl, um, first of all, thanks a million for allowing me to participate in the tour and it's been most fascinating in every respect. How many years has gone into this to start? Uh, well, I started in '99. Um, it was started really as an accident. It wasn't ever intended to become what it has become. Right. Um, it was really just very low key. I wasn't a gardener. I wasn't interested in creating a garden. And gradually, I got addicted to it. More and more addicted. And I suppose in the last 10 years, it's really, really gone mad, like it's extended and extended. And now I just keep extending and will do as long as I can, probably. And <laughs> it's obviously a full-time job during the season. Um, it is now, yeah. I, I gave up my job oh, uh, quite a few years ago. I just decided that life is too short uh, to be working all the time for somebody else lining somebody else's pockets and uh, I wanted to, to spend the rest of my life doing what I love doing and that's being with plants so I decided to just see if I could um, survive um, by being resourceful and uh, yeah I bought the house in 1996 the house needed quite a bit of work to say the least and that took me around two years when that was kind of finished I started clearing around the house to tidy up and that's really when the garden sort of started. I wanted to use a lot of native plants, I wanted to retain uh, most of the trees that were around and not particularly create a, an ornamental type of, of garden. I've tried to blur the boundaries, if you like, so all the way around the outside of the garden, where the garden meets the landscape, there's a very gradual transition into the landscape. But aesthetically, it creates a balance. Everything is in harmony. You might look around and think, well, it's lush, it's green, and it looks like everything grows very well. There isn't an inch of soil on this property. It is limestone pavement. So the soil I've used in the garden has been brought in. And when I clear a new area, I usually end up with a massive pile of rocks. So I started building stone walls. Since 1999, I've built over a mile of walls in the garden. The project is, is a one-man band, really. Dad's here at the moment. He's been stuck here for the last six months with the lockdown. And he's 90, so he's still able to mix concrete. And the other day, he moved two tons of gravel for me. So uh, I told him not to, but uh, he did anyway. It's an all-absorbing passion, I suppose. It's just become a wonderful monster. But I can't stop. I'm completely addicted to it. Well, we're now going to go and join you on the tour and uh, at the end we'll get some of the details for where people can find you <laughs> No, I've the water feature um, I don't know if any of you recognise it um, well I hope you don't it's, um, it's from Loch Earn uh, in County Fermanagh in just north of Enniskillen there's a place called Castle Archdale and in the loch there there's a couple of islands Devonish and White Island. Devonish has a round tower on it. You can get boat trips out. And uh, White Island has ecclesiastical remains. 
and over the years when they've been doing restoration works they've been finding these amazing pre-Christian stone carved figures uh, quite a lot of them and they've gathered them up and put them on the, a wall of one of the buildings with a roof over and an explanation board and that's figure number six uh, it's either King Leary or maybe Christ the Warrior or maybe some obscure Irish bishop or saint or something I mean we'll never really know but uh, it, it, it's lovely and I, I always loved those and I thought you know they would make amazing water features I wonder if anybody would miss figure number six so <laughs> there you go angle grinder boat trip late at night and uh, there he is he's a lovely water feature isn't he no but that's who he is it's an exact replica of figure number six and uh, I trawled the internet and I managed to find the dimensions from archaeological records of the actual figures and then I managed to find some very good photographs uh, and I actually managed to find a 3D photograph believe it or not and from those photographs and the dimensions I made a model out of plasticine a copy of that man and then when I'd made the model I cast a rubber silicon mould over the plasticine mould and uh, then I cast a hyper tougher uh, mixture which is sand cement and peat mixed together into the silicon mould and there he is so it's an exact replica of figure number six <laughs> yeah he is I'm really pleased with him he's, he's a nice little water feature that is <laughs> which oh that's lovely isn't it Cotinus yeah, very common. Cotinus, uh, I think it's Grace. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, um, yeah, it's sort of dirty pink, actually. Like, like, it's a smoke tree. It's the one with puffy flowers. I love it, yeah. It's a brilliant plant for Ireland because um, it's a good plant in the rain. Uh, you, a lot of plants because it's such a wet climate here you know it's more than just weather and, and texture and landscape and whatever uh, you need to think about what plants look good in the rain or after the rain you know a lot of plants are no good in this climate because they just fall over or they're a mess this is one of those plants that if it's been raining it looks utterly stunning because it's covered in little white beads of mercury uh, of water and it holds them for quite a long time so it, it adds another dimension to the plant and it works well in this climate so I'm trying to find plants now that do this water droplet thing because they, it does make a difference you know you know when it's been pouring with rain and then you come out because it's stopped and then you see that covered in silver mercury beads you think wow that is lovely so that's Cotinus cogirea I think it's grace it was given to me and I'm not terribly sure what, what uh, cultivar it is <laughs> the yellow thing up the pole there that's uh, a phygelus uh, it's phygelus moonraker in my naivety in the beginning I planted it in the pond garden and of course it's a thug it went everywhere and I thought I've got to get rid of this so I started hacking and digging I thought I had cleared it and um, that was fine I got rid of me Phygelus Moonraker and then a few years ago we were in here somewhere and a, a lady said to me what's that amazing yellow climber you've got up the telegraph pole and I said there isn't 
a climber up there I don't think there's a rose no 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 there's a yellow climber and I came back and there's the phygelist it's not a climber but it, it, I obviously left a bit at the bottom of the pole there and it's just gone its way up through there to keep out of my way I suppose but <laughs> it makes a great climber it really does so there you go phygelist <laughs> this is a Bodleia from South Africa um, this is Bodleia loricata I don't think it smells anymore but no it doesn't which is a shame because it's absolutely beautiful when that's clean and, and you might find one that still smells but it's, uh, it's an evergreen buddleia and it's lovely again for this country especially if you live in a windy place because the undersides of leaves are silver so when it's windy you get this kind of silvery green and it is evergreen not supposedly hardy but this went through 2009, 10 and 11 and I lost a lot of my buddleias in those three winters but this survived so it must be fairly tough Loro Cat L-O-R uh, and it's evergreen yeah and it, it seems tough and it smells gorgeous but it's kind of finished so we're back to kind of the beginning again forget what we've just seen that was an add-on uh, let's go right back to the beginning 1999 2000 2001 Gable Garden um, this was kind of because I'd finished the wall of the house and stuff and uh, just had to tidy up. I mean, it was all hazel to start with and I ripped it out and uh, sort of put this in its place. But this was kind of my work zone. Um, I had huge compost heaps along here. I had a washing line tied to the ESB pole right across to the corner of the house. It was brilliant. Um, so that was handy. And a rubbish dump in this corner here. And then the rest was just disaster zone um, I made the front garden and people started looking at it over the wall and I'd, I'd often be out here and, and there'd be people taking pictures and a couple of times I got from German visitors um, excuse me please could you remove the washing from the line <laughs> right dad said that washing line has to go and I said well I've nowhere else to put it so we found somewhere to put it so I got rid of the washing line and then of course the next was all this mess along here so that had to be cleared as well so I cleared this up and then uh, and that was it so it was tidy for everybody looking over the wall then I went in there and because I hadn't finished the roof so I had to go in and finish the roof because at this stage I'd got into gardening and it was becoming a little bit addictive so I said no I have to finish the house so I went in there and started working on the back of the house and when I was working in there I think the weather was quite good that year it was very hot and it was lovely and sheltered and the best thing of all was nobody could see me so I was kind of hidden behind the, the wall of the house and uh, when I finished I started to make a little garden outside the back door and then it got bigger and it got a bit bigger and a bit bigger again and then people could see me through there so I had to build this wall to close it all off so I did that and that was brilliant and uh, nobody could see what I was doing in there but it also closed in the back garden and it gave me an opportunity to do something very different something more structured something more colourful and something that wasn't particularly in tune with the big picture because the big picture in there is the house so that's another room of the house more about that later the back garden got bigger and then I had another problem because you could see through there straight through there and you could see the back garden so that was no good I had to put a wall across to hide it now I wanted this tree 
I wanted it in the back garden and the front garden so where did I put the wall? Right through the middle. So the wall is built through the middle of the tree, loose, so when the tree moves, the wall moves, that's fine. And then when I cleared it, I started using cement. Now, I decided that a big wall was going to look pretty ugly here, and it wouldn't look nice. It needed to be too big to hide the back garden, and it wouldn't look nice. So it had to have a hole in it, and the logical thing to do was put a circle in it. So the idea was for when everybody looks over the bridge, uh, they can sort of see this, not always, it depends on the light. And when they look through, all they can see is trees. So the back of the garden just looks exactly the same from outside. It just looks like a bank of trees. But it's not, it's a con. And when you're in there, you're in the back garden, which is very structured and quite different. But you can look through the window this way. And when you do, you can look right down to the eaves that's looking over the wall. And the ball fits under the archway of the bridge. So that gave me an opportunity to take the two archways of the bridge and bring them up here and use them as a repeated circular theme. So now I've told you that all these beds are actually in arches and half circles and everything is connected with this circular uh, connection. So that's the story behind it. Yeah, It's about 12 years old I think, uh, somewhere around there. This bed was difficult. It's north facing and it's dark and uh, you can get some colour in there in the spring when there's no leaves. It gets a fair bit of light in the spring in the mornings but then once the leaves come out you're back to shade again. Now people get hung up about colour. There's too much emphasis put on colour, colour, colour. Um, what's wrong with green? You know Ireland is green. We have at least 40 shades of it here. Use it because green is brilliant and the best thing is most of this is here all the year round so you're not thinking oh well the colour's gone now I've got a gap there's no gaps it's fantastic and this is what go got me really going on ferns I love them I used the native ones to line the top of the wall to give the effect of a woodland floor up there and then I mirrored them along the base but I started thinking it would be nicer to put some different textured ferns in so I started looking out for decent ones unusual ones and this really got me going on ferns and now it's another addiction um, there's about 170 different ferns and cultivars in the garden at the moment so it's another collection which is getting bigger and bigger but they are absolutely beautiful there you go so this is a midge zone let's get out of it now this is a bit different in here that's 10 degrees warmer for a start <laughs> the heat hits you the minute you come through that gate it's brilliant it's very warm in here uh, south facing hot um, it's a different climate and of course it's private that's the best thing um, I built me walls on both sides of a background of trees this is totally totally insulated and uh, it's, it's great um, so very very different now in the beginning I kind of had high hopes of doing something with the bedrock because this is the bedrock and this is beautiful and uh, I just cleaned it all out and put some soil in and just tried to plant things in it and some things worked and some things didn't. There's no soil there, that bed is four inches deep. If you put a fork in there in the winter you can lift the whole bed out and drop it back down again like a jigsaw piece, it's amazing. Um, I don't know how anything grows at all but it does. Uh, I thought that I could probably do something like this all the way across here so I started clearing the trees and then underneath was a horrible sheet 
of smooth limestone, no features at all, on a slight angle. When it was wet, which was pretty much all the time, it was lethally slippery. So that was not going to work. And the only options I had was a lawn, which would have been probably on the slope, which I'm not keen on, or uh, a wall. So I decided conditions too difficult, let's just put a wall, have a bed, and then a big wall, and that will be my back garden. I've got a little lawn to sit on, uh, a nice back flower bed, and that would be it. So this wall was built directly on top of the rock, then I filled it behind with soil uh, until I could go no further back because I hit rock again, planted it, it worked, and it looked okay, and so I did another one, and then another one, and another one, and another one. And all this is now terraced with walls. You can't see them at this time of the year, and it just gradually filters its way back into the trees uh, in the distance. So this is kind of my living room, and I regard it as a room of the house. And the landscape that you're working with here is the trees as the back and the house as the front. So wherever you are in this area, it's very much a domestic garden. So it didn't have to blend uh, like the front had to. So quite different, really. And colour. <laughs> quite a bit of colour. And smells. Some nice smells, too. Mm. The smell is not very strong today, but it's actually this rose. It's rambling rector. It's Irish, and it's a thug. Um, if you want to cover your next door neighbour's house uh, without them knowing, then just plant three of those beside them, and uh, in a week's time they won't get out of their house. It, it's a real monster, but it's fantastic, and it only flowers once a year, six weeks ish but the smell is unreal it it fills the garden it's just stunning so that's rambling rector the pale pink one that's in quite a few places is new dawn again it's quite vigorous it's a climber that one flowers all the year round i can always pick a rose off that pale pink one the other pink one i don't know what it is it's not what it was bought as i don't particularly like the barbie pink but uh, everybody says oh it's lovely so i leave it because Everybody likes it, but I don't like it. <laughs> it's, uh, what else is there here? Yeah, loads of stuff, really. It's just, um, yeah, there's lots of things coming out now. Um, it is all terrace. These paths I build out of flat rocks that I find when I'm clearing. So if I find a rock that's got one surface that's quite flat, I chuck it to one side. And then when I want to build another path or another flight of steps, I've got a supply of rocks to do it with. So these have all been quarried from when I've been clearing and moving stuff around. There used to be a shed there until a few years ago, but I didn't need it once I built the new one. Um, so uh, that was a spare space, so I thought it would make quite a nice little seating area. So again, the circular theme is there, and in the mornings that gets extremely hot. It's uh, a very sunny spot to sit in. Space now or you have your more no, I've got a bit more space, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can always find another little bit. just takes a long time to clear it. That's the problem, you know. As a general rule, if, if the wall is um, under three feet is probably dry stone unless it's doing something structural if it's over three feet four feet it's probably got cement in it but th that's cemented that's all actually actually that wall is built of blocks and then I faced it yeah they look like dry stone walls because when I've built them the next day depending on the weather I go around with a kitchen knife and clean out all the cement back to about an inch and then hose it out and then it looks like a dry stone wall but it's actually cemented yeah <laughs> these are awesome these are on they're bedded yeah they're bedded on cement 
you can smell rambling rector now quite easily because you can get at it <laughs> it is isn't it but it's midgy <laughs> they'll find us in any second now so we've probably got about two minutes before they find us <laughs> but it is cool it's lovely that's next year's etium yeah it should be if it survives the winter um, it'll go up into a spike it should do <laughs> just watch out for fox poo because uh, I didn't I didn't have a I saw it out earlier on, I forgot to do it. Yeah, I think you should be alright, but just be careful because she tends to leave little presents around for us. When you get up here and you look back down at the house, you can see very much the idea that that is part of the house, it's the back garden. But the barren is beginning to rise above the house now and the house is getting smaller. So once we were up this level, I thought, hmm, I can't really carry on with loads of colour and stuff. I've got to start toning it back down again and turn it more back into the woodland area. So this little terrace is a, a very much a spring terrace. It's snowdrops, all this is snowdrops and daffodils, uh, mostly whites, a few camasias as well, and then some interesting shrubs around the corner. There's some nice things here. That elderflower out the back, well, there's one there too. That's uh, an Irish cultivar. It's uh, Guinco purple. It was beautiful a couple of weeks ago. You can smell it probably still. Um, this is next year's Etium. That one survived the winter, so I hope he'll flower next year if it doesn't get zapped this winter. The ivy on the wall is an Irish cultivar too. I collect Irish cultivar plants. Uh, this is Heterohelix buttercup, uh, which is a very, very nice yellow ivy. And then the thing on the fence, another thug, which is handy for covering next door neighbours and oil tanks, is a hop, um, the yellow hop, but it is a serious thug. Um, so be careful where you plant that. Um, no, it isn't unfortunately, no. It's long, a long period of interest, but not really, uh, no, it wouldn't be evergreen, it dies down in the winter. So that is really handy for fences and sheds and things, but, but it needs space, and it's quite kind of rough to, to handle as well. So we have um, Euphorbia Escalibur. Escalibur is the cultivar, okay? That's Euphorbia Escalibur. The hundreds that are behind you is Euphorbia stigiana, which is a completely different animal, but it's a, it's a Euphorbia, all right? So this is Escalibur. Now, next year, I'm out here wandering around, doing whatever I'm doing, and I notice that one of these is red. And I think, blimey, that's weird. I'll keep an eye on that. So what I might do in the autumn, I might tie a bit of string around the red bit and then I'll cut the red piece out and I'll put it in a pot out the way and then next year I'll wait and see what happens. If it comes up red again, it's different, but it's stable, okay? And that would be classed as a sport. So it's Euphorbia Escalibur, a sport of, and then it's up to me. What do I call it? So I'll call it Carl. So it'll be Euphorbia Escalibur, Carl. That's a spurge, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a spurge. The, one of the biggest plant families on the planet, and an unusual family, which will probably be split up, I would think, in the near future, because it contains trees, shrubs, perennials, annuals, cactus, and succulent, all euphorbias. What's succulent? Uh, succulent is a plant with... See them things down there in those hoppers on the wall? Oh, yeah. They're sempervivums, they're succulents. The leaves are thick and fleshy. They are literally succulent. This bit here, this was supposed to be the end. Um, when I cleared a 
bit of the scrub out of here underneath it's just massive boulders I mean like serious ones can't get machinery in here so I thought this is just not going to be really possible to do anything with so what can I do uh, I wanted to keep it as woodland because I wanted to tone the garden down at this point so I connected all the very big rocks that I couldn't move with small ones to give me an edge and then I filled it in with soil and planted it um, and it was nice it worked quite well but the severe the connection between the garden and the wood was too severe and every time I looked at it, it annoyed me this bit was okay but then it just went straight into the woodland so I started cutting out more trees um, not straight in though at an angle so when you're looking at the garden from below it just looks like a bank of trees but it's not because there's gaps behind them but you can't see that from down there um, it lets the light through and it also gave me an opportunity to gradually tone the garden down through these little channels so the garden continues but it's not particularly noticeable until you get into it in the spring there's loads of light so this is all spring it's uh, hellebores by the ton they're all the way along here snowdrops bluebells primroses all that sort of stuff and then in the summer we go back to our green again uh, our 40 shades of green and nothing wrong with that it works really well there's one or two hydrangeas dotted around just give a little bit of lift with colour um, later in the season they're beginning to come out now but uh, basically it's green really you know. <laughs> nobody's found a snake yet they're about <laughs> This is another euphorbia, this is lovely, euphorbia stygiana, um, I think it's African, I'm not sure, it's certainly not hardy, and I've tried it a few years and can't get it to grow because it gets killed, but uh, I shoved one in under there one day thinking it might get some shelter from the trees, and yeah, it's fine, it flowers very well actually, and it's got very, very big, but that's a euphorbia too. Did you find the chameleon yet? It's very near you. <laughs> this is a bog area here this was a very difficult bit I didn't know what to do with it because it was just wet all the time and uh, it was a nasty space and unfortunately I built that lot and then I put this path in which was a bit daft actually but I put the path in uh, alongside the wall before I'd even thought about this section and then of course it was so wet I didn't know what to do with it and in the end I thought a bog is the answer so I built a water course down through the centre it's all artificial it's all built of blocks and rubber and stuff and um, and then filled the gaps with um, sort of boggy peaty stuff and it's just been phenomenally successful most of these are boggy plants uh, more rajersias here Buckland Beauty Henrechii and uh, Chocolate Wing which is my favourite that lovely sort of Japanesey looking thing that hosta is the second biggest hosta in the world it's Empress Wu and when it's fully grown it should be six feet high a hosta that's six feet high this is magnificent this is a fern um, it's the royal fern Osmunda regalis uh, it's native to Ireland it's a native Irish plant it grows in Kerry, Cork, uh, Connemara north of Galway, Mayo, Donegal uh, up the west coast I presume Wicklow as well I don't know it may be I've never seen it in Wicklow it's often called the flowering fern which is a little bit misleading because ferns don't flower but what this fern does which no other ferns do uh, is produce a separate frond which is solely for 
it's spore dispersal. So this thing is what people call the flower. It's not. It's a, a fruiting body which contains all the spores. And if I tap that, there's the spores like going away. So um, yeah, yeah. So this is Osmunda regalis, the royal fern. Absolutely beautiful thing. This is a garden form or cultivar or sport, if you like. And the difference, the, li the stems are purple. So it's the same as that. It's exactly the same as that. Somebody was growing that and noticed one day that there was one with purple stems. So they isolated it, propagated it, and now it's become a garden form. So this is Osmunda regalis form purpurea. All right. <laughs> Is it all making sense? Good. <laughs> I'll be asking questions at the end. <laughs> there's my Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's, um, that's a tree fern. That's a tree fern. It's been around since the dinosaurs were about, that one. Not that particular one, but uh, <laughs> that's from New Zealand. The ferns, yeah, there's, there's some of them in here in this corner. That's frost-free, so you've got your f um, familiar New Zealand Dixonia. Uh, that's the tree fern. Um, can't grow them anywhere in the garden, but I tried one more time in there, and it's quite happy. Um, there's a few odd things in there. There's a beautiful woodwardia across the back, which is from Madeira and the Canary Islands. And then this lovely thing that's coming down this gully um, that looks quite peculiar. That's um, a blecknum. That's New Zealand as well. And this is a blecknum again. It's the same, basically, but this one is from Chile. So they seem to be quite happy in here. They're reasonably sheltered uh, in this spot in underneath. I need more space for ferns all the time because the collection is constantly expanding. So these are, this is a new bed that just got put in in the winter. A uh, little corner that wasn't being used. So, um, yep, it'll be handy to fill up with ferns. There's a few new ones gone in along there. If you want a photograph of the ball and the bridge and stuff, the best place to get it is here because you can line them up perfectly from this corner. So make sure you look at that when you come up through. Thanks. Do you um, I do, yeah. <laughs> I do. It's really handy actually. Um, that's not really why I started doing it though. I started doing it because I needed a plant that would grow in pots to fill up all the gaps in the garden mm. because there's so many gaps in this garden it, with rock and tree roots and I can't do anything with them except for build another wall and I don't want to do that so I thought mm, pots will do the job so I started getting pots and then I was trying to find a plant I didn't want different types of plants because there's over 150 hostas here they're all in pots and um, I didn't want to mix the plants up because I thought it would just look messy so the only thing I could think of was actually hostas mm -hmm. and they work really well in Ireland because it's wet all the time so they love it except the slugs I know the slugs are pain well, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but they do and they're handy for filling in. if you've got a little gap somewhere you just shove a pot with a hosta in it I mean they do get eaten like that one but uh, just ignore it <laughs>
So once you get up to this level, you're kind of losing the house, really. Um, you know, I have a barrier of shrubs there to try and you know, hide the house. The landscape is, is creeping up above us, so it's all becoming more, much more dominant than the domestic area. So, you know, you have to go back into this kind of woodland situation. And again, very difficult spaces. I mean, like, impossible. And the only thing that this lent itself to really was ferns. And, um, well, I've got unlimited space for ferns because there's plenty of areas like this that I can fill in and they're fairly undemanding. Um, some of them need a bit of attention, you know, some of them are a bit fussy, but generally you can get away with ferns pretty much everywhere. And Some people say, oh yeah, they're all nice, the ferns are nice, but they all look the same. Um, yeah, well when you see them together, they definitely don't all look the same. They're absolutely stunning. Some of them are amazing things all together. The hostel there is hanky-panky. That's a nice one. Here. That's a sport of Hosta striptease. <laughs> it is actually. Striptease was the one on the corner down there by the view, and that's hanky panky, which I think is better than striptease, but it is a sport. <laughs> yeah, maidenhair fern there, lovely big one. Um, that's an orcaba. I collect those as well. Uh, orcaba Japan. Nobody likes them. I love them. I think they're brilliant plants. Uh, orcaba. What's the ordinary name for I don't. No, that it's actually, uh, people call it laurel, but it no, isn't. Yeah, no, it's not laurel, but people do call it laurel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantastic ferns in here. There's ferns from all over the world here, um, everywhere, from Japan, China, across Europe, North America, Canada. There's ferns from all over the place, and they are very, very different. They're, they're really lovely. Oh, yeah, more hostas, dark spot in the shade. Yeah, another awkward place. You know. They're brilliant. Look at them. Aren't they fantastic? Look at this one. <laughs> well, will they get really big? Um, no, not height-wise. They'll, hopefully they'll expand. Um, I'm terrified of dividing them because I don't want to lose them. Some of these are very rare. So, uh, But I'm getting a bit braver now, and I did try a few this winter and then they were okay so uh, I'm going to try a few of the rarer ones next year now I'm a bit more confident at kind of dividing them up yeah but I was a bit frightened because I didn't want to lose some of them this is underplanted with things like wooden enemies actually uh, bluebells snowdrops so in the spring yeah there's stuff in here and then in the summer it's dark so you you, you just rely on the ferns really and they, they are amazing there's some nice ones here Another orchid. More orchids. I always run out of space, so I have to keep adding another corner. So um, these corners get added on, and then all of a sudden, before I know it, I'm making another garden. So <laughs> this bit's quite new. <coughs> another euphorbia. Now, so this is the kind of last bit, really. Um, this happened by mistake uh, because there was a dead cow in here a few years ago and um, we had to get it out. So I was in here with my neighbour trying to get a dead cow out and I'd never really been in here because it was all, you couldn't really get in here. And uh, when we were in here trying to sort the cow out, I was looking around and I was thinking, you know, I like this space. It's got potential because it's really steep and I could see some big boulders poking through the moss and stuff. So when we cleared the cow, I came in and had a quick look around and thought, 
yeah there's another garden in here definitely so that's what happened um, I made a few mistakes in the beginning because I never in a million years ever thought that the garden would come this far up from the house if I had it done I would have put electricity up here and I would have put water up here uh, I do have both now but I didn't when I decided to do this an awful shame because there's huge potential for having another little stream that came down through and connected with that one and went through the window and down to the river would have been brilliant but I thought at the time now it's too much expense too much hassle and all the rest of it so I'll do this instead so I compromised by making the path look like uh, a dry stream bed so uh, between the boulders and um, it does the job really it keeps the thing going and it's a lovely space because it gets sun all day it's sheltered it's warm and it's frost free you see it's quite steep and it faces east so there's a very good chance that if there's a frost the cold air will run down the slope and out of the way and it will keep the top section relatively frost free and it works I've budlia colvei up there which I can't grow anywhere in the garden and I put it up there and it's perfectly okay so it is a fairly frost free little pocket this it's rather nice and um, I wanted to use the wall as well this is the only original wall in the garden it runs from the telegraph pole uh, all the way to the very top of the mountain in sections and in places it's bronze age so it's over 3,000 years old and I kind of regard it as the timeline running through the property um, I like to think that every single human being that has been on this patch of land for the last three and a half thousand years has done something to that wall and it's a nice connection with with people and uh, it brings the sort of human element into the garden as well which is rather nice so it runs all the way up through and I've restored all this section because it was all collapsed and stuff and uh, it's, it's a nice little boundary so yeah now you have to remember that everything we've seen has come in here in a wheelbarrow and it's all uphill from where your cars are parked and I did this and it nearly killed me <laughs> and I got up there and I said I think really this is enough I can't be bringing in wheelbarrows of gravel up here anymore it's just too much hard work so when I got to the top here I decided to stop and uh, there's a concrete slab here which marks the spot you can come up through Alone! Have you got a Husqvarna? <laughs> Have I got a Husqvarna? <laughs> oh God, no, I haven't. No, you know, I need some robot to go around this place. There's an acre of grass. I know it's ridiculous, and they're all silly and small and funny shapes. And I asked a friend of mine to cut the grass for me one day when I was away, and he said, "Never again. I'm not going near it again. It's impossible." So I said, "All right." This was supposed to be the end, right? And I was planning on bringing the path across here through these trees down to where that little gate was that was the plan and then when I ripped out all the stuff in there I discovered more huge boulders and that would have meant tons more gravel and there was no way I was bringing that up in a wheelbarrow so I found the flattest area I could to try and get me past down around the corner and gra grass not gravel so this was brilliant now I had to bring up soil to fill in this side because this is quite deep here and um, I finished it and that was it finished game over and then a friend of mine came in and he gave me 16 different varieties of Irish bread daffodil Irish cultivars daffodil so I put them in here because I had nowhere else to put them and I thought they'll be okay there and they might work and they were fantastic 
and of course I got into Irish daffodils didn't I <laughs> so then I started collecting more and that meant I had to make a new lawn so um, instead of turning right then I turned left so this is the Irish daffodil collection which of course is not out now but um, and no this wasn't done by hand I couldn't do it by hand well I cleared it by hand this is quite nice up here <laughs> I told you I warned you are you still doing the day job? no I chucked it in about 12 10 years ago I just gave up work. I just decided that life was too short. I wanted to do this instead. Yeah. So I just decided to pack up working and see whether I could survive. So the life changed <laughs> completely and utterly. And this just became an obsession. I am, yeah. <laughs> so this is my daffodil collection which is sort of wildflower meadow daffodils and view uh, it's lovely you can't see the house you can't see the garden you can't see the road you have absolutely no connection with what you've just walked through and then you get up here and it's a different world altogether this was all hazel uh, five, six years ago it was just solid didn't know what was in here never been in here I cleared it all out and then I realised ah how do I get 80 tonnes of soil up here to make a meadow not in a wheelbarrow my neighbour is amazing and we cut a thing through there and managed to get a tractor and trailer up here so that meant I could bring the 80 tonnes of soil up in a tractor and then it had to be raked downhill instead of up so that was really easy so this was actually quite easy to do and it's another new meadow there's nearly 200 cultivars of Irish bred daffodil up here exclusively Irish ones and then the trees are different hawthorns, crotagus and there's a collection of dutzia, wygella and a few other odds and ends around of course I need more space so um, extended it a bit more and then uh, last year I decided to extend it again so uh, this is another new lawn coming in now it's nowhere near finished it won't be finished for a while but uh, this will be another daffodil area eventually and another place to plant a few more hawthorns and a few other nice bits and pieces and that's my folly that's my new project <laughs> this will be a good few years in the making but it's coming on and uh, yeah, I wanted a round tower, I wanted a folly, so uh, I decided, perhaps rather stupidly, to go and build one. So, yeah, that's my current project. <laughs> I did tell you it was mad. That's not obviously dry stone. No, 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 it's block built and I'm facing it with stone, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it'll be nice when it's finished, I think. Uh, I got the blocks up in a wheelbarrow. Oh my god. One at a time. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought you had a track coming up here, no? No. I got the first lot up here in a wheelbarrow, but then when we opened this gap, I was able to bring. This actually gap, this gap gave me the opportunity to do this because I couldn't have done it otherwise. So all the stuff was brought up. Now, about a month ago, I got, um, I got the digger back again and to finish this wall. 
because uh, I can't move these by hand, they're too heavy for me. And we block the gap, put the fence back, so that's it. I can't get any more machines in here now. I could, if necessary, get him to drive up and drop something over the fence, I suppose. Bags of sand can possibly be dropped over the fence because I shall need. But I have a lot of stuff brought up here, it's all in there, uh, hidden out the way. So I've loads of material in here now, uh, hopefully enough to kind of finish this off. Um, uh, yeah. Tea there. Tea yeah, there. I could do, couldn't I? <laughs> in my spare time. Yeah, there's electricity up there. Yeah, there's electricity. I've electricity and water up here now. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> well, eventually, in about four years' time, maybe. Uh, the next phase, well, I'm trying to do the groundwork first. Yeah. That's this year's project. Um, I'm putting a cobbled path all the way around and down to here. I've never done cobbling before, and it's quite an experience, but uh, I've started. And uh, so that's this week's, one of this week's projects is to get part of the path done. I think the weather's going to be dry. Um, eventually, there's going to be a stone staircase starting from behind those trees, in the trees and the staircase will take you right up onto the roof so you'll be able to go up onto the roof and you'll get a 360 view all the way around above the tops of the trees and then the front section is a heart shape it's these walls uh, intersecting so this one goes around there and that one goes around there they cross in exactly the centre point and then in front of the circle there's a heart and that'll be filled with water so that's going to be a water feature there like half a moat do you ever sleep? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what's your favourite time of the year in the garden in terms of the um, spring? I with the, with the I'm a spring person, really. Yeah. It's um, very colourful in spring. It's lovely in spring and it's full of hope and, and you, you're out of the worst of the winter and stuff. And I'm a spring person. Spring and early summer, not keen on autumn. I yeah. find autumn a bit depressing, actually. It's kind of slow. I know what's coming. Yeah. And then winter, I hate, absolutely hate. Oh, yeah. Do you stay around in the winter? No, <laughs> I try not to. Well, you can't work in the winter, so it's pointless being here. It's, um, the winter's just, just awful. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's hard enough in the summer, but you cannot work here in the winter. It's not possible, you know. So, yeah. So that's it. I warned you it was bonkers, and it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So you can come back in another few years, and you might get up on the roof from there. Yeah. It's fascinating that you're able to build it in the middle of the burn. I know. It's great, isn't it? On the QT, or did you have to get planning permission? No, it's within. It's small enough <laughs> at the moment. I don't know what's going to happen if I decide to go up another story, but uh, we'll... we'll so they can't see it anyway. The only place you can you can see it from up there, but but only just. And it's going to be planted. There'll be trees planted around it, so it'll be back in the woods. I really wanted to put it in the woods, but the access was the problem. Get to build it, so I kept that lot, and I'll replace trees around here. So eventually, it will be in the woods again. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just quite nice. Don't have too many trees. No. Get that. Don't get really they don't really get a chance. You see, the tops are all burnt with the wind. And then so, the yeah. and uh, yeah, they don't really get a chance to get much higher. Low down they will if they've got some shelter. Mm -hmm. But up when you start coming up here, no, the wind just takes the tops off all the time. So they stay kind of bonsai, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing up here. It's it's yeah. just right. completely. Like this, yeah. <laughs> we were very lucky that it wasn't yesterday. So oh, yesterday was horrible. Yeah. Yesterday was really horrible. Yeah. yeah. Where? 
here. Was it? Oh, yesterday was brutal. Yeah, we had that awful drizzly stuff here, all on and off, pretty much all day. No, it was awful. Um, yeah, yesterday's people got a bit wet. I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It must have been here because Oh yes, it's a different climate. Ballyvaughan is completely different to here. Um, there's days here where you can hardly see, well, you can't see that field. Um, it's just drizzle, cloud, low cloud. Drive around Blackhead, blue sky and sunshine. Or somebody rings me from Ballyvaughan and says, what's it doing there? Oh, it's a lovely day, it's grand, it's blue sky and sunshine. Oh, no! <laughs> and it's wet here. Do you have the history of the person that you bought this house from? I sort of do. Um, yeah, I have photographs of him. Um, and I know I know his, some of his relatives now. They're still in the area. There's a few still in the area. Yeah, um, 1933 the house was, was built, and uh, he was yeah he, he was the only person to live in it, and he didn't live in it that long actually. And then it was just abandoned. From, so I'm the second person to have wow. lived in it. I just in the, the doors and went to America. Yeah, uh, well actually he did, yeah. or, or one of them did, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened actually. Yeah, uh, in there I've started another project, which I probably shouldn't have done, but anyway, I have. Um, in the back of this woodland there's an abandoned village, um, yeah. which was the forerunner of my house. This is Cahar Upper. Cahar Lower is over there, Cahar Upper is. Um, in the 1800s there were... Um, there were 400, no, there was 800 people living in this valley at one time. Um, there was well over 100 families. There were four villages, uh, one over there, one up here, one in there, which is totally gone. There's not a trace of it left. And the Cahabana, which is still there, uh, up behind the modern houses. There's one up there as well. Yeah, there was loads of people here. And in there, there's the remains of Cahabana. It's actually in quite good condition. There's two lovely buildings, two cottages still in reasonably good condition and all the field systems, all the haggards, uh, there's a dog kennel, a stone dog kennel in there, it's, there's beautiful walls everywhere and it's all in this hazel scrub and it's on my property, um, I really would love to rescue it or not rebuild it but just stop it from further decline so that's one of the next projects. Um, so I have actually opened up an access route in there now from the other side so I can get vehicles in there and hopefully, maybe this autumn, if there's nothing else to do, I'm going to get a digger in and, and we'll start gathering up some of the stones to put back on the walls and things. So eventually you will be able, hopefully, to take a woodland walk all through this hazel scrub, through the village and back down around. There'll be a little woodland trail in there eventually. And then you can have tea in the folly. Yeah, yeah. But that might not happen. It's, just, it's up here and may not happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there you are. Come back and see the daffodils. Very good. And mind the fox poo. Yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't made an appearance today because she was with me all morning. Well, she's not far away. She was, she was up here all morning with us. So, yeah.
Yeah, no, I'm, she's coming again next week, that, that lady. She's bringing more people. And I must mention it to her because several people have messaged me and said, are those available as prints? Yeah. No, I had a group a few weeks ago, and uh, I didn't, she's not around at the moment. She's, she won't be far away. She made an appearance she was, when she was up here. I think there weren't many people in the group, but she was around anyway, and uh, she was really good. She actually came right out so that people could see her and photograph her and everything. She's fine with me and Dad, but she a bit wary if there's too many people around and uh, and this lady drew a pencil drawing of the fox but also the garden because yeah. she's been coming here for a long long time and uh, when I looked at the drawing I kept finding all these little tiny bits of detail right down to individual plants that I recognised yeah. like and she'd managed to incorporate all this in this tiny little drawing of, of the fox so it was lovely it was really lovely yeah I get lots of paintings and drawings and yeah. bits and pieces yeah yeah do you live here permanently yeah i do um i can't take any time off from march to october really because yeah. this is kind of a full-time thing you know and i'm happy here anyway so the only holiday time i get is in the winter months so i try and escape for as much of the winter as i can just to keep me from going totally insane <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly there but the winter if I can get away from here the winter's horrible here I hate it no <laughs> not really no just fox <laughs> I had another one before he was called Edward he was lovely um he, he used to, he was really friendly, he, well he used to come in the house all the time, he, he, he came in the house for his dinner and he'd just make himself at home in the kitchen, but this one won't, she, she'll sit beside me, like if I'm working on this she'll come and sit right beside me, uh, yeah, yeah, but she won't come in the house, well she hasn't yet anyway, <laughs> she's probably in there now stealing biscuits or something. Well, you've been an amazing group. Thank you very much. It was nice to see you all. And <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Like, I can't wait. To, I mean, I just can't wait to get out here in the morning and start building it. And I just can't wait. I mean, I go to sleep because I'm thinking, I could finish that today if it's not raining. And, uh, and I just can't wait to get it. It's not work. It's just pleasure. It's just, well, an addiction, I suppose. But, yeah, it's nice, nice to just achieve it, really. <laughs> well, you're very welcome, and thanks a million. And uh, as I said, I'm not kicking you out. So if you want to wander around again, do your own thing. But uh, we can wander back down and. So. Well, Carl, they, they, it has been a fantastic tour. If someone wants to find you, or someone wants to come and visit, where can they find you? Uh, well, probably the easiest thing to do is look up the garden on, on Facebook. There is a Facebook page for it, um, which you can make bookings through or to send an email, um, and that's easy. It's caherbridgegarden at gmail.com. Um, or if you're in the country, uh, just Google Caherbridge Garden and you'll find all the information that you require online. Um, so it's very easy. I'm open only really by appointment. Um, now, having said that, I'm kind of open most of, most days. Uh, this year's a d different because of the COVID thing, yeah. um, so it's a little bit restricted this year. But usually, I would be open by appointment, and there's a tour nearly every day. It's a guided tour, and uh, you just phone up and make an appointment or email. And, and what the tour is, it gives you a break from the physical work. To and it does, work it does, it does absolutely, and it keeps me connected with people as well, which is a good idea because you do tend to become a bit of a hermit here 
um, why would I want to go anywhere when I've got this around me on a day like today it's very easy to get totally wrapped up in, in where I am and what I am um, so it's great to have a group of people in every day just to break that and, and actually give me contact with other people that are interested in plants really. what struck me as I was going through the garden was during the early parts of the lockdown where you were restricted to either two kilometres five kilometres you here could easily cover two kilometres or five kilometres in a most wonderful labyrinth Absolutely, of the garden yeah. we were, I mean really and truly the the, this, the the restrictions and the lockdown made absolutely no difference to me whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only difference was that I wasn't seeing visitors. But apart from that, it gave me lots of time. Um, I mean, I don't go anywhere anyway in the summer, so it was it was no different to normal. Right. I mean, I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah. It was it was lovely, and I got so much work done um, because I wasn't interrupted by anybody. Um, I mean, nobody called, so you could work all day until it was dark and get so much done. So it was great, really. Well, again, thanks, William, for the opportunity and the time. And I would strongly encourage when you are coming to Ireland make this a part of your itinerary if you're in the Galway or Ennis or anywhere in the Clare area and that, that find the time and I would also recommend that you do set aside probably three hours um, well Maybe it's supposed to be an hour and a half no, but on a day like today by the time <laughs> yeah. you get here That's walk right. around yeah. um, if you're kind of saying well I only need to drop in there for 30 minutes not a good idea no not a good idea at all the minimum amount of time is an hour and a half if it's pouring with rain or not very nice um, yeah an hour and a half maybe but if you're in if you end up in with a group like we had today where everybody's asking questions and obviously really enjoying the experience then yeah you could be here for four hours indeed, <laughs> indeed. thanks a million time.